Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. They're thinking, hey, what could a teacher do? Their, their limited understanding of who Jesus was causes them to say, hey, there was hope, but now it's over. We've heard he could heal, that's amazing, but at this point, no one had heard of Jesus raising the dead because this is the first recorded instance in scripture of him raising someone from the dead. In today's broadcast, we have part two of Pastor Sam's message, The Faith God Rewards. We are taking up in verse 31 of Mark chapter 5, opening with a few thoughts about the healing miracle Jesus had performed back in verse 29, and moving on to Jesus' first recorded resurrection. Let's listen in. Oh, Jesus, immediately knowing power had gone out from him, said, who touched my clothes? I read it. But his disciples said, are you kidding me, Lord? Well, that's not exactly the words they use. They say, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. They're trying to get close to you. It's like if I could just touch him just to say, I touched him. They didn't all need something from him, but they all wanted to get next to him. And so in any case, it, it, it just... His disciples say, you see the multitude thronging you. You say, who touched me? He looked around to see who her who had done this thing, to see her. He's looking for her. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. Sounds familiar? Same position that we saw Jairus in. Position of humility, a position of worship before him. And told him the whole truth. Oh, this is so good. She's saying, Lord, I've been suffering for 12 years and I've spent everything I have and I've trusted and no one's been able to help me. And I thought to myself and said to myself, if only I can touch his garments, I know I'll be healed. She tells him the whole story. And that means everyone is listening to the whole story. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be cleansed of your, healed of your affliction. It means both. That word affliction is strong. It's translated plague elsewhere. It's translated scourging, like the scourging Jesus experienced just prior to the cross. He's describing what she'd been through as a plague and a scourging. Well, it's huge. That's all behind her and new life, fellowship, community lies ahead. Now, a few things you need to know about faith before we read the rest of the story. And it's a glorious conclusion, by the way. Faith is mentioned 245 times. The word faith is used 245 times in Scripture. Only two of them are in the Old Testament. That doesn't mean faith is mostly in the New Testament. It just means the word is mostly used in the New Testament. But important to say in the Old Testament, it's a contrast between those who God says have no faith. That's in Deuteronomy 33, 33, 20, where he speaks to the unfaithful generation 
of his own people who had turned to idols, put their faith in that which could not save and could not help. He, he, he speaks to that issue and he says, children in whom there is no faith. There, there are two phrases, misplaced faith. It's not like they set it down and don't remember where they put it. If you're getting older, that happens with things like keys a lot. And so, uh, but anyway, here, here's the thing. That, that misplaced faith, in their case, they placed their faith where it should have never gone. They trusted in idols who could never answer. They have eyes, but they can't see. Ears, but they can't hear. Mouths, but they can't speak. Hands, but they can't handle. Feet, but they can't walk. Listen, if you have to pick your God up and the, when the house catches on fire, that God is useless to you. That's the kind of God they were trusting in. So we say they have no faith. It's another phrase. I never understood it. Somehow, at least I don't remember understanding it till now. And that is when people say they've lost their faith. You ever talk to someone who says that? Oh, yeah, I used to believe, but I lost my faith. Lost his faith? How could that even happen? But I understand it now. Because to, to give it away, because faith is an investment. God has given to everyone a measure of faith. And we get to decide where we'll invest it. In him, in truth, in his faithfulness, in his plan. Or will we put it elsewhere. In that case, that's how faith is lost. Because he doesn't just say, well, here, here's another, here's another load of faith. See if you can do better. No, they misplaced their faith. They lost their faith. Habakkuk 2.4 contrasts with that. The just shall live by his faith. It's so important. So we have only two illustrations or two examples of the word faith in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32.20, Habakkuk 2.4, the just, those justified by God, shall live by faith. Illustrations abound, and that's one of the cool things. And though, though we're not getting the word, listen, Abel worshipped by faith. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. He walked with God by faith. The, the picture is glorious. He's taking a walk with God. They're having a talk. They're getting along. And, 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 you know, the day's getting late. And he's like, wow, we're kind of far from your place. Why don't you just come stay at my place for a while? And, and he's like, yeah, that sounds good, Lord. So he goes on a walk with Lord. He walked with God and was not. No one saw him again because the Lord took him home. Noah worked by faith. Abe went out and wandered and waited by faith. Sarah was able to conceive by faith when she was 89 and Abraham was 99. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab, and the list goes on and on and on. You want a great Read on faith. Hebrews 11 is the definitive New Testament passage. I'll give you a couple verses from it. But, but you should just read Hebrews 11 in its entirety because, well, in Hebrews 11, 1, you get a biblical definition of faith. That's important. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith itself, the substance, the evidence of things hoped for and not seen. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith 
and not by sight. I don't know where the Lord's leading me, but I know his word lights the path ahead of me. That, that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It shows me where I'm standing. It shows me where I'm walking. Hebrews 11:6, so important. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to him must believe that he is. He is what? He is who? He is God. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hear that. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And, and we were created for fellowship with him. We were created to bring joy to him. We were created for his pleasure to please him, if you will. Well, I have a few more for you, but... Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll check those out when we get nearer to the glorious conclusion. Verse 35, we continue. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. They come to Jairus and they say it's too late. The, the, the delay was disastrous as he might have feared. And so they tell her father, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? They're thinking, hey, what could a teacher do? Their, their limited understanding of who Jesus was causes them to say, hey, there was hope, but now it's over. We've heard he could heal. That's amazing. But at this point, no one had heard of Jesus raising the dead because this is the first recorded instance in Scripture of him raising someone from the dead. So it's important to us because th there's another who, who when, when Jesus says, if you have faith, all things are possible to him who believes. And that one says, oh, I believe, help my unbelief. This guy's not going to say anything like that. Jesus, hearing this word that was spoken, said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid only believe. Nothing's changed as far as what he's able to do and willing to do and going to do. In fact, the greater miracle is about to take place. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so like his Faith must be genuine. And, and that's what we see. He's hearing Jesus say, don't, don't stress it. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about it. Just believe. That means put faith in him. Genuine faith, we're told by James in, in James 2.18, is more precious than gold that perishes. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love that. He says there's a faith that's real, that's genuine, and there's a faith that's just not. It's misplaced, it's lost, or it's something substituting for what God produces when we hear his word and it takes root in our hearts and minds. So, so he, he's saying, don't worry about it. It's just a test. And I've read somewhere or heard somewhere, a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. Do you know those people you go to school with or you work among or live among or, or you know, play sports with or whatever it is you do? 
They watch and listen to you. And they may be like, hey, don't give us any of that Jesus stuff. We just came to play cards or we just came to play basketball or we just wanted to, to go swimming and our pool is, is you know, not, not filled. And so we're at your place. But whatever it might be, when you go through something, because everybody does, that's when they really hone in. Because everybody can say God is good or anybody can say God is good when everything's good. But what about when your world is falling apart, when everything's going wrong? That's when they hone in and tune in because they want to see, do you really believe that? Because if you don't believe it in the trial, well, do you really believe it? So the, the whole point I'm making is, is that his faith is being tested. And Jesus is saying, just believe, just trust just have faith in me. He permitted no one to follow verse 37, except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. This is his little inner circle. He always keeps them close. They hear, they see, they experience more than any others. He came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. Now, People had gathered because they knew she was near death. Now the word comes, she's dead. And so they're wailing as in their culture, they're apt to do. It's common. It says they wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. He enters he sees, he hears the grieving friends and relatives and tells them she's only sleeping. They go from grieving her loss to mocking her savior, but undeterred, he's still going to get the job done. And I love that too, because a world of unbelief cannot stop the Lord from being faithful to his promises. A world of unbelievers cannot stop the Lord from being faithful to his promises. He said he would come. He said he would heal her. Nothing's changed except for her situation seems a little more severe. And so he put them all outside. He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with them and entered where the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, Talitha Kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Now he'd honored her dad's request. He came a little late. I'm sure that's how dad felt. He laid hands on her that she may be healed and live. Not too late. But, but here's the thing. He speaks to her. And it won't be the only time he speaks to someone who's dead. He does that later. The widow of Nain's son is in a coffin and he comes and he takes him and he says, hey, time to get up, you know. And, and then he'll stand at Lazarus' grave site. Dear friends of his, brother of Mary and Martha, dear friends of his. And he'll simply say to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. He'd been dead and in the tomb four days. So we see this progressive revelation of his ability to deal with man's greatest fear, death. He could heal someone who just died, 
Well, could he heal someone who was on their way to burial? Yeah, he could do that. Well, what about someone who's been buried four days? Yeah, he can do that. You see, he had the power not just to heal disease, but to raise the dead. Now, this is not a resurrection in its fullest sense. And here's why. When he raised someone from the dead, they were still in their natural body and they would someday die again. So they break the general rule appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. The rule's just saying everyone dies and everyone ju is judged. Someone who dies twice is because he had done something so that they could live again. But get this, it's not just about a now or, or a moment, or a, or a day, or four days. I'll read it to you in, in a moment, but the day will come when all who were in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. We're almost there. So, immediately we read, the girl arose, verse 42, and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. The grief that they were feeling, remember, her mom is there. Everyone else is put out. Her dad is there. He has hope. And, 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 and her mom's looking at the dad, and he's like, it's going to be okay. And, and she's got to be wondering, how's it going to be okay? We need to remember these are real people, not just, it's not again, as we saw with the de demonic last week, the demon-possessed guy. It's not a it's not a parable or a metaphor or a simile. These are real people with real problems, as, as real and difficult as they get. But, but it's no problem when the Lord is in the midst of it. They're now overcome with great amazement. I love that. He commanded them strictly they should tell no one and said that something should be given her to eat. I read earlier... It's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. Well, what if we die? Verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, We are confident yet well pleased rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. The moment we shut our eyes here for the last time, we open our eyes in the presence of God. The moment we breathe our last here, we breathe our first breath in the presence of God in heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So no Christian should be afraid of death or fear death. And, uh, and we shouldn't fear for those who've gone before us. You know, we've had so many situations where, where somebody got desperately ill and, and um, they were far too young, at least in our estimation, for, to, to be dying and leaving a wife and couple children and, and little ones. And, and like we're praying fervently and we're like, Lord, please spare them. Please heal them. Lord, please answer our prayers. But we had a case with a young pastor where that happened. And, and I was so just torn up because I was like, he, he got married to a single mom. They went on their honeymoon. He comes back. He gets diagnosed with severe leukemia. He was completely healthy, at least outwardly. Nobody had any idea he was sick. And anyway, he lived for a while and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and God took him. And I had to speak and, and share with people and I was just devastated. I was like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to talk about this and what am I going to say to him? And he took me to John 17 where he prays, Father, 
I want them to be with me and see the glory I had with you before the world began. And I realized I'm praying, leave them here. We're all praying that. And he's saying, I want them to be with me. I want them to see the glory I had with the father before the world began. But what about this? What about her? What about the kids? What, a, what about all of this, Lord? He'll take care of that. I can never explain to you why he chooses to take one home and heal another. But I know the one who goes home has had the greater healing, never to suffer, never to sorrow, never to be in pain, never any of that again. So last couple ideas or thoughts, and, and I will pray with you and we'll worship yet once again. And I would think even, you know, more filled with gratitude for God's goodness. A couple things to take home to unpack, to spend some time meditating on faith in Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's not our goodness or our faithfulness. It's not the greatness of our faith that saves and secures and transforms. It's simple faith in the goodness, faithfulness, and greatness of our gracious Lord and Savior, Jesus. If you're newer to this, you need to know faith is essential to salvation. If you're saved and you think, well, maybe my friends will be okay, not without faith in him. For by grace you have been saved, we read in Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any should boast. Because you see, it's, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you haven't been saved by him spiritually, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. Because we're told the wages of sin is death, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that, that the gift of God is everlasting life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Some hear it, don't respond to it. Hebrews 4, 2 says, Indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. I mentioned the day is coming when all will hear his voice. Last passage, John 5, 24. Make a mental note and go read that chapter later. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word. That'd be everybody here right now. And believes in him who sent me. I pray this is all. And if not, it can be. Has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Most assuredly, I say, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For the Father has life in himself. He's granted the Son to have life in himself and given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth those who've done good to the resurrection of life, those who've done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. He spoke to this little girl. He'll speak to the widow of Nain's son. He spoke to Lazarus and he says, he's speaking even now through his word. And by faith, we believe and we receive. And otherwise, won't well, we go on 
in the darkness without faith, misplacing it, losing it. Don't let that happen to you or anyone. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 55 through 57 proclaim, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? For the child of God, the only sting of death that remains is for those who are left behind in the form of our grief over their passing. We hear it said by believers and unbelievers alike, he's gone to a better place. Well, that's only true if the deceased is a believer. But when a true child of God leaves us, we have to lean on our faith and allow our faith to comfort and strengthen us. For truly, the deceased is in a much better place and if given the opportunity, probably would not want to return. And our separation from them is not a permanent thing. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.